morning, everyone. Everybody online, what's up, y'all? Good to have you with us as well. Um, okay, let's get the awkward, or the, not the awkward, but the obvious thing out of the way. Y'all, we have uh, Deacon Courtney and Father Ryan. And the surprising bonus to this is that two robes instead of three and a poncho is like a lot cooler in this room. I love this. It's like hot in that thing. So this is great. I, it's a heavy chasuble to wear. I'm grateful for it. And uh, y'all, this is the fruit of the gifts of God to Rez. Uh, if you don't see um, God loves you written all over these people as gifts to you to serve you, um, I don't know, you're, you're like not opening your eyes. Look at what God has given to our church. This is such a gift, such a wealth, and we're so, we're so grateful for you. We're so proud of you. Um, we're so grateful for your mystery. Let's give another round of applause of love. That has nothing to do with what I'm preaching about this morning, but it's, it's good news anyways. Um, have you ever been in a room and totally misread the whole thing? Like, the whole, totally misread the room? I do this all, yeah, my wife's looking at me now like, oh, you're the expert of this, Sean. Um, I am. Um, she gives me that same look that she just gives me uh, now with like the wide eye thing. Like, you're not seeing it, bro. <laughs> look again. You're totally, you're like, where are you? Pay attention to what's happening. I, I am a pro at this. Um, and when I read Mark 9 and this story of Jesus and the disciples, where Jesus is talking about his suffering and death. Meanwhile, the disciples are like, who's going to be the greatest among us? It's this whole like, bros. Look, read the room, guys. You're missing. Oh, look around. Discern a little bit. Here Jesus is talking about his death and resurrection, and the disciples are scrapping their way to the top. What irony. Two images of the truly wise one, the wisdom of God in flesh. Everything that we heard in our readings about being lowly and humble, Offering yourself for the sake of others. Like this is the person of Jesus. And this is truly what makes someone great is what it looks like when you look at Jesus. Meanwhile, on the other side, you see the disciples arguing about who's going to be great, doing the exact opposite thing that you see Jesus doing in this passage. They're totally missing it. They totally have not read the room. And it's, it's helpful to learn, but it's also comforting to me knowing that Jesus had disciples like me uh, who failed to see the obvious standing right in front of us in front of me. Um, I hope you can relate to that. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, is how, how do we tell the difference in a world of greatness and wisdom and like, here's what you should do, all that kind of advice spilling over and over and over, inundating us. How do we tell the difference between the way of Jesus and the way of the world? How do we tell the difference between the wisdom of God that we see in Jesus versus all of the other competing wisdoms that are so accessible to us? I would say even more accessible to us and our generation than maybe any other human generation. We have so much access to opinions and ideas and wisdom of sorts. How do we tell the difference? And don't you think that being able to tell the difference for Jesus' people is probably kind of a big deal? I think our world is desperate for a kind of people who can tell the difference. The kind of people that look like Jesus. And so I want to take some time this morning to learn from the disciples and from Jesus in this interaction and see what we can find about being able to tell the difference. Let's start in Mark 9, in verse 31. Let me read this, recap it for us. Verse 31, he says, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. 
but they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask. Uh, again, I can totally relate. When you're caught in class and the teacher picks on you or like they're off on some topic and you have no idea what's going on and you don't even want to ask because then it'll reveal that you weren't paying attention you have no idea what's going on. I totally can relate to this. The disciples have missed so hard. This is like what we'd call a whiff. They've swung and missed so hard um, what is right in front of them that Jesus is trying to give to them. But it's deeper than that. I mean, we too can tilt our hat at what Jesus is saying. He's talking about, mind you, the plan of God. In all of God's wisdom, how God is going to rescue all things. Jesus, that's what Jesus is talking about. Put in view here, the cosmic purposes and mission of God to reconcile all things to himself through Christ, setting all things right, making all things new, And the way to that is the suffering and death of the Messiah and his resurrection. I think we look at this and think, at least I do, really? Is is it really downward, Lord, that your purposes are being worked out in the world? Does it really look like a cross to salvation for us have to look so painful, like so much suffering? And yes, there's Easter. Yes, there's the resurrection, but... I think when I see Jesus saying to the disciples and Sean, the way down, the way to the cross is downward mobility. It's not the way to the top that the world tells you, but there's a different way. That's what I'm doing here. To me, I tilt my head and think, really, Lord? I don't understand. I don't understand. What Jesus is doing is giving us a peek into the wisdom of God, the way God does things. And that distance, the difference we feel when we tilt our head like, what's going on? Um, that's the difference between the wisdom of God and his loving intentions and his eternal view of things and the kind of finite place we find ourselves every day in our lived lives as a human being in Austin, Texas. There's a huge difference between the two. And Jesus is pulling back the curtain to say, look, I want to show you. Suffering and death would not be in my plan for like personal success, in other words. Um, And yet we find in the wisdom of God, it is through his son for our sake. God's wisdom, it seems like so mysterious to us, to me. His his wisdom has in view a reality that he is conscious to that we're just not, we don't have access to. God sees things that we just don't see. God understands things that we just will never understand. What God can comprehend in his wisdom is, There aren't words to describe the comparison between God's wisdom and our finite view of things. And we find ourselves in this really interesting place where we actually have to trust God. We actually have to have faith. Lord, you understand things I'll never be able to wrap my head around. But I do believe that God has access to those things, that reality, that truth. And so I choose to trust him, even when it looks like a cross. Even when it looks like everything that Jesus went through, his suffering, death, and his resurrection. The wisdom of God, that part of which we can see in Jesus, but so much that is a mystery to us, part of that wisdom, that wisdom is actually what's aiming and guiding all of history, the mission of God. That's what's aiming that thing, is this loving intention in the mind of God to rescue all things. That's what's in view. And he's doing that through his son that is revealed to us that we do know. 
And all of the wisdom of God looks exactly like Jesus. And if you want to know, can this cosmic intention wisdom of God be lived out in real life? We look at Jesus and say, oh, there it is. That is what the wisdom of God looks like in fleshed, lived out, practiced. That's what it sounds like. That's what it looks like. That is the wisdom of God. And we see it in Jesus. And so if anything is wise in this world, if there's anything truly good for us to understand, if there's anything that is true or good or beautiful in the world, it belongs to Jesus. It's actually participating in who he is. It's borrowed, you could say, from who he is. We don't have to be afraid of it. So when you hear James saying, like, don't be friends with the world, that doesn't mean, like, lock yourself off from anything but, like, Christian contemporary music. That would be a bad idea. <laughs> we tried that, didn't we? <laughs> didn't work out so well. What? I mean, you know. Sorry, live stream. That's not, to- that's not totally true. Thank you all. And for the depths of, like, metal, Christian metal... Yes, rock on, ask Walter and Macon. There was, there was a small part of that. You're right. Gosh, we are way off track. That's okay. It's not saying seal off yourself from those things. It's actually what James is getting at is God has a way of doing things that's just very different from the way that the world does things. And you can't be friends with both and think that's cool and that works because it doesn't. They're actually contradictory. They're pulling away from one another. The intentions of God's wisdom that we see in Jesus are in contradiction so often to the intentions of the world. And James says this as much, right? You guys, you you want something and you can't have it, so what do you do? You murder for it. That doesn't sound like Jesus at all. You can see how these are contradictory. So we can't be buddy-buddy with the world's wisdom and fool ourselves into thinking like, oh, I'm definitely following Jesus wholeheartedly here. We actually have to make a decision. This wisdom of God is available to us, but we do have to choose and tell the difference. And listen, the wisdom of God isn't just good when we get it, when we understand it. The wisdom of God isn't dependent on our understanding of what it is that God's doing, or that this is like a thought-through concept. The wisdom of God is good and true and beautiful regardless of our getting it or our understanding it. Or our grasp of it. And that's good news, friends. That God has a wisdom that isn't dependent on our understanding. And even in our lives, when we're going through something that we don't understand, or we're conflicted with something that God has put on my heart in his wisdom, I think this is what he's saying to me and I don't understand it, that's okay. We can still trust him. We can still follow him. The good news here is that God's wisdom gets us. We don't need to get all of his, we don't have to understand all of his wisdom because his wisdom actually gets us exactly where we are in our lives. And it's also aware of the forces in the world that say, no, 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 don't do it that way. Do it this way. Murder to get what you want. God's wisdom understands that that's there. God is not naive of these forces, but he still invites us to follow him and turn our back on the ways of the world. God's wisdom is tending to us, shaping us. It's available to us, even when we're confused, even when we're afraid to ask. God's wisdom is available to us. And we see it in Jesus. And even more so, how is this wisdom available to us? By the power of his spirit. Friends, why do you think that God has, I mean, it's a mystery for sure, but God has put his spirit within us so that there is another inhabiting this body with us. There's another mind at work. There's another set of loves and desires at work that is available to us that we can dialogue with, that we can discern and say, God, 
What is wise in this place? Help me tell the difference between the way the world does things and the way that Jesus does things. His spirit is within you and available to discern those things. So when you need to make sense of something, friends, let's get practical here. Think of it for a minute. You might have something on your mind right now, like a puzzle or something that's confusing or worrying you. When you need to make sense of something, where do you turn? What do you do? What's the well-worn path in your life of discernment when you're trying to figure out the wise action or words or lack of action or lack of words? The right thing to do. What is wise? How do you make sense of it in your life? Is it discerning God's wisdom by seeing Jesus and asking, does this look like him? Are you open to the fact that the wisdom of God in so many circumstances may look like a cross? That's a hard one for me. I hate that. I don't want a cross. But I do believe that it's good in my head, even if in my heart I struggle. Am Am I even open to discerning the wisdom of God when it's cruciform, when it means I'm going to have to go without something, when I'll lose something, when I'll be perceived as being wrong, when I don't fight back. That's hard, isn't it, to discern God's wisdom in that way? What is the thing that you have on your heart this morning that you would say to the Lord, I really need your help here. I need to sort out this thing. Where do I go? What do you do? James says, Again, there's some competing things you have here to access to make sense of life. We can confirm this in our own present time. Even James was right then. He's right now. Between social media and the millions of podcasts that we have available to us and the friends and family who have like tons of advice and like anecdotal evidence that we should take seriously. I mean that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but we also should listen to them. Like, but you know what I'm saying? We're inundated with like, here's what you should do. So many voices, so much noise about... What is wise? What is good? What is true? How do we make sense of this? James says, the wisdom of heaven is a different sort of thing altogether. Listen to what he says in verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Gosh, that sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Can I say, can I read, listen again. Pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Isn't that our Lord? Can you imagine if people described his followers with these words? What an idea. Like what? That'd be amazing. I even read these words and it feels like a template's been put over me, Sean McCain, like, gosh, I got some edges that need some moving, some shaping. This is what the wisdom of God lived out in our lives actually will look like, what it, how it takes shape. But we're so used to doing things differently in our world, and so this is hard. In some cases, you have probably made, if you're anything like me, you've probably made friends with a different kind of wisdom in the world that you've become really comfortable with. It's your go-to thing. Maybe it's some sort of fighting back. Maybe it's some sort of gotcha. Maybe it's some disposition in your heart. There's all kinds of ways that we apply the world's wisdom to get something done in a situation that doesn't look anything like this, that we become friends with. And James is saying, it's time to turn your back on those ways. 
and be friends with Jesus. Practice the wisdom of heaven. You cannot be friends with the world's wisdom and inhabit God's Jesus-shaped wisdom at the same time. We're going to have to choose. They function on two different sets of assumptions and directions. They're up to two different, totally different things. The path of the cross is downward, not scratching your way up to some top among others. You see the difference there? It looks more like, well, if I was just, if Jesus is like, how do, I, how do I explain to you the wisdom of heaven? Here, give me a baby. Give me a child. I'm going to stick it among us. And now pay attention. The least among us, you guys, you've got to be like this, first of all. And whoever receives someone like this, the least among us, the humble among us, the meek, the child, and Jesus takes the child into his arms, if you paid attention to the gospel reading, that's what it looks like to receive the wisdom of God, to receive the kingdom, is to be able to receive the lowly, the humble. That's what wisdom looks like. Especially in a time where children are set aside so that we could honor someone who actually had money and status and wealth in society. Think of the kinds of people that we set aside in favor of those that could benefit us if we honored them. That's, not, that's the way of the world. The way of Jesus is receiving the least and the lowly. It looks more like a cross and a resurrection than it does harboring injustice or resorting to violence or quarreling among each other. If you want to understand the greatest and smallest concerns of life, I hear James saying, and Jesus If you want what is truly good and wise, there's good news for you. You don't have to like go to school and get the right job and like be a smart person. It's not rocket science. If you want to have access to wisdom, you can have access to wisdom in Jesus. You have it. It's available to you. It's available to you and revealed in the crucified and risen Lord. Now. And that wisdom is at work in your life as you presently have it. You can put it to work if you cooperate with God. Friends, I know that this sounds like a a great idea. Um, And I know that in my own head I'm thinking, this is like a costly invitation to put to work the wisdom of God instead of the way I want to do things. Just take a moment, for instance, though. Let's, let's spend some time with this, discerning this together. Take your life as you currently have it. All your concerns, your worries, the things that you're even thinking about right now, because, like, this is not a, you know, super exciting sermon, so my mind races somewhere else or something. I'm making plans. I've got things in my mind. I've got to make some decisions about something. Maybe there's some burden or pain or anxiety in your life that's just haunting you. Maybe you're not even able to hear me because this thing is so heavy on your shoulders right now. Where are you in need of God's wisdom? What's the thing you could say, Lord, help me with this. Help me, Lord. Help me to make sense of this. Are you open to following Jesus even if it looks like a cross in that spot? Do you trust that Jesus actually knows what he's doing? Even when you can't see it? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is within you even now inviting you to be changed? To change your next set of actions? To change the way you do things in favor of 
doing things the way Jesus does? Are you open to that? And in this space, let's invite God's divine intention for our life. Let's invite the power of his Holy Spirit to actually transform us to look more and more like his son. As we prepare to come to the table, let's open our hearts and discern that the Spirit is at work even now doing this. So let's pay attention together. Amen. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.